host Delaney and it's Katie and this is Classically Black Podcast where we talk all things classical music and being black in the profession with trap beats playing and the stars shining bright above you night breezes seem to whisper I love you birds singing in the sycamore tree dream a little dream who are you singing that to? you said what? Who are you singing that to? My viola, my one true love. Who, who are you dreaming a little dream of? My Period. viola. Intonation. Mm. Um, when you heard, when you said star, first thing that came to my mind was Star Spangled Banner. I said, I'll just Girl. go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to turn my computer off. Girl. It's against my religion. <laughs> Man, I hate crime. <laughs> Mostly that. If we're being honest, so absolutely honest <laughs> um okay not you think of the first word of the star spangled banner the star it's not right <laughs> and that's what that's what reassured me for that split second i was like that's not why would she start right there i just realized that i was like she can't because you would have to be in the middle of the song before you get to the word star so <laughs> right i don't know i, I think it's at the end somewhere happened. yeah because it's after oh say Oh, that's a sports ball song. Not me thinking of uh, uh, what's that? Bum bum ba dum dum. Not me thinking of what's that. Oh, stars and stripes forever. Now that that's stars and stripes. Listen, you can't tell me nothing about stars and stripes forever. Listen, I tap my toe to that because that he did that. I'm not even going to hold you. Did that, Susan? Mm-hmm. No band girls love America, Susan. America do not deserve stars and stripes forever. Do not. They don't deserve my country too, either. But I realized it was God save the queen. They also don't deserve that one. Cause like you, you America's daddy, so so none of y'all deserve it, right? Oh, you look just like your daddy, America. So except worse, <laughs> you worse, you worse than your damn daddy. What's your life? Anyway, that's not what's how it's going on go, this though. week. You said what? I said what's going on this week? Do we even have? I feel like we don't even be. Like, what do we even be intro on? Uh, maybe mainly if it's a holiday now. Is it's a holiday? Thing? No, I'm saying we only do like an intro if it's a holiday now, I feel like. Oh, hmm. I don't got nothing going on, girl. I'll be in the house. Because what's coming up? My mom Memorial Day. We have orchestra. So. Oh, that's next week, though. Um. Okay. Well, my first <laughs> piece of news this week um is actually my first and only piece because you know we in and out today um and also you know it's important so the international contemporary ensemble um in partnership with fringe arts and opera omaha is going to be presenting the afro diasporic opera forum um at the end of this here month um actually in a couple days as we're recording this um so the Afro Diasporic uh, Opera Forum is a three-day series of events that's uh, produced by colleagues and collaborators of the International Contemporary Ensemble. The main purpose of it is to celebrate, share, and reflect on three operas that have had a major impact um, on the organization and the collaborators. So the three operas that they're going to be um, discussing is uh, George Lewis's Afterward, um, Dr. Taishan Sori's Pearl Noir Meditations for Josephine Baker and uh, Pauline Oliveros and I, I hope I'm saying it's right. I think it's Ione. 
I don't know how to say it. Um, the the Nubian word for flowers, a phantom opera. Um, and then it also end with a screening of the digital opera, uh, Cry of the Third Eye by Lisa E. Harris. So all of these works are about black experiences, you know, right up our alley over here. Um, and they kind of, they are all contemporary works written in the last, like, I think they're all written in the last six years. Yeah, all within the last six years. Um, so they kind of pushed the operatic canon forward because, you know, it's no different over there than it is over here in orchestra. So um, the whole thing is going to be led and hosted by Dr. Naomi Andre, who is um, the lead scholar and conversation partner for the for the entire series. She's also a musicologist, an author, a professor everything under the sun i just realized i got another black excellence period um yeah, <laughs> yeah there so this is gonna be um this is gonna be taking place the 26th for for three days actually for four days because they're having a pre um like a like a get together on the 25th so um the so on the 25th is the like the prologue is what they're calling it and then um 26th 27th 28th um is a series of like panels presentations obviously the operas themselves many of the composers will be there many musicologists and different artists and designers producers um the list of folks that they have going uh in presenting is very very long a lot of you know uh prominent names in the opera in the opera world so i would take a look um and yeah i'll link oh yeah it's free i I don't know if i said that but it's free so i will link um the website where you can learn more about it where you can sign up for updates and where you can get your free ticket period that's it mm-hmm. Purr. we moving on in all right, y'all. So we're here with Andrew Francois. You'll he'll give a better introduction later on. But can you just give like a brief introduction? If you're not familiar with the with uh with the structure of our show, we're gonna do a little animation. We're gonna play a little game. So okay, just introduce yourself real quick, and then we'll get to that. <laughs> My name is Andrew Francois. What up? What up, y'all? Uh, I play viola. <laughs> I play viola. Uh, and right now, I play with the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra. I'm a violist with the St. Louis Symphony. Thanks for having me. Period. Big dot. <laughs> okay, so this is Delaney's favorite part of the show. We're going to play a little game, but don't worry. Um, oh, Delaney, be a good sport. Um, so what I'm really going to ask you is if you can tell your favorite or most successful audition story. But mm. while you think about that, I have some would you rathers, okay? Okay. The first one, and these may or may not be based off of real events. Would you rather... Forget your music at an at an audition. Would you rather forget your music, or have to look at blank music? Like you don't have, you forget your music, or when you get there, they have parts on the stand, but there's nothing which they would never have parts on the stand. But they have parts on the stand, and it's nothing. Yeah, just vibes. So if I forget my music, there's nothing there. Like like nothing. Yeah, or... you got. What would you do if you forgot your music, or yeah. you forgot your music and but there's parts on the stand, like on some IMEA type. I, <laughs> Illinois I, Music I, Education Association, like state conference. That's what I got you. And just from I'd and rather, just from Illinois. That's why I was like, what is I mean? You know, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, I would rather have like a blank part there because I feel like at this point I've practiced it so much. Like I know my fingerings like in my mind, but I can't. I wouldn't be able to play it without the music. You know, because those notes are like I can figure out my own bowings and fingerings and all that. But like 
I can't figure out those notes if they're not in on front the of fly. me. fly? Right, exactly. Oh. Especially in an audition. You know me, I've always had problems with uh, memorizing stuff. That is like We're not, the relax. of my existence. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. Like, I can't be memorizing stuff. Nope. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What about you, Delaney? Yeah, I would rather have a blank part there because then I'm faking myself out and uh, I would be thinking about it too much. And then there is still things that it would tell me because like dynamics and stuff. Now I'm like, oh, well, my Christian doing right here. Like, I feel like it would make me lose that trust in myself that I've played this a bunch of times, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so for me, I would take the L and I would go home or I would um see if somebody can get into my apartment and take pictures of the th- because playing on different music I literally went to a final mm-hmm. I went to a final an orchestral rep final and forgot my music at home I spent the whole afternoon centering down and all that junk that they taught us just forget my binder at home and I was next I had to play off of somebody else's music it went terribly now oh, that was yeah. a couple of years ago so I'm, I'm more like grounded now I, I know the, the rep better I I have my stuff I can, I can play more uh, consistently now but I think because looking at something that is so foreign I would be like I would go to the, to the little people running audition I'm like listen forgot my music can I get a new number and I would go figure it out before I put on the blank part that's what I would do that's what I would do I don't know Okay. Like, do you have do you have parts on your phone ever? Like, like sometimes I I make sure it's just I have the no, ones. No, but I know you know I'm gonna start doing phone. that because that's some dumb Katie junk I would do. I'll be off. <laughs> Time to take an audition on the plane. Plane taking off. I'm like, my binder is on my stand. <laughs> um, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. Okay. Would you rather have a string pop during your audition, or only have your backup bow? Uh, oh shit! Uh, that is hard. That's really hard. Um, uh, I got I got to say a string pop. Yeah, I mean, I like because they're all of these orchestral excerpts. They're like so bow centric. You know, like you got to do off the string strokes. You got to do these detaché things, and I can't do that with my backup bow. I can change I can change a string real quick, and you know, like fix it over here. But you know, but I can't like if if my bow is messed up, I can't do anything. Yeah, so I gotta take this thing pop in. Because then they, you know, they'd be like, okay, go change it and come back. But if you just got a jacked up bow, they're gonna be like, you gotta play on what you have, you know? So. Yeah, know. but then, you know, the string be stretching and then we're, <laughs> I now, know, it's, I know. now it's flat. That's true. Oh. That's true. But that's, again, you know, like as long as it's. Do and we're like not built like you. you. We're not always built like you. <laughs> I'm gonna play a G flat, okay? That's what I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play an open G flat, confident. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so is that your answer? You'd rather like have to play on the backup bow? But my backup bow is so bad. It's so heavy. So it yeah. wouldn't. I would take the string pop as long as they know that number twelve string pops. <laughs> yeah. So they can exactly. consider that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. If they if they know if it's not just like I'm gonna get a new number or something. If number twelve string pop and they gotta come back and do it, I would do the string pop. If it was just like, all right, we'll just give you, now you number 50, I'd be like, nah, I might take the bow. Mm-hmm. Nah, because my bow don't bounce. <laughs> exactly, exactly, see? Yeah, I'll take the string. What about you, Delaney? 
I think the bow, I was going to say, I don't really have, like, technically I do have another bow. I don't, but I just don't even consider it in my mind, which is why. <laughs> but also, my That's not a thing. I'm not taking the audition because I don't carry extra strings on me. It takes about 45 minutes to change a bitch. No, it takes 45 minutes to do the whole thing. So, but yeah, I'm not, you know, I don't change my own string. So. <laughs> Wait, do bass strings pop? Like, I feel like you will be alarmed, right? They have, but, um, but it's not common. That sounds dangerous. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I thought that's a, you that's gotta, a you wire. Try, I like you gotta try to pop a bass string low key. Like, yeah. it, it, it gives you some warning. Because gears turn smoothly. If it's, then stop turning. <laughs> I remember in high school, this girl was tuning my viola and popped my C string. And to this day, my orchestra director does not believe that that happened. He's like, C strings don't pop. I'm like, here it is in two pieces. Right. Like, it happens. <laughs> like, I don't. Now, she she must have been trying to get it to an E. I don't know what she was doing, but. <laughs> was she the assistant or who is she? She was a senior, and you know, I was dumb and freshman. So I was like, obviously, she knows everything. Tune my viola. Because I can't tune it. I was like eighth grade. So I was uh, in high school. But you know how high schools, they do like that thing where the middle schools come and play? Mm-hmm. They do that in California, like with the middle school, where they would do like not a mentorship thing. School, but... Oh, okay. It's like a mentorship thing for eighth graders at, in my district, particularly where like you can get used to the music department and learning about. It's like called Orchestra Day or something like that. Yeah, and my school was kind of like weird. My school didn't technically have a school district, but it was a public school. But then you, not everybody gets in. It was yeah. oh, like like uh, soda in, in Rochester. Oh yeah, then, yeah. sure. Okay, last one. Don't forget that question I asked you. Um, what's more scary in an audition? Having to play the excerpt again or being stopped early? Like stopped early and they don't let me finish playing it at like all? Like they gave you six excerpts and they're, they, after excerpt three, they're like, thank you. Oh, well that, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not going to advance after that. They're just like, okay, you're good. Bye, 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 bye. I've actually had an audition where like they've stopped me and they were just sort of like, oh, can you try this differently? And like the first time it happened, like it, fre- it freaked me out. But I was like, oh man, I didn't even get in. I don't even know why they're asking to get in. No, and it, they just want to hear it again. They just want you to do it better. So that was that, yeah, yeah. I would rather, I'd rather they have, they ask me to do it again and not stop me. <laughs> Let me play it all. Let me play the whole list and then kick me out. Yeah. What you saying? I think, I think I gotta do that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I already got to send me off. <laughs> let me go. Just let me go. Because I've had somebody ask to play it, ask me to play something again. It was actually um, at, at school, the blind audition. And he was like, can you play it faster? I'm like, if I could play it faster, then I would have. <laughs> and that's what because that's what like, can you do it this way? Uh, and then what if it's something that you can't do? Sometimes it's something that you like, okay, I can make that change. But if it's something like that, like this is the tempo I practice it up to. So <laughs> <laughs> you get this or nothing. That's <laughs> I think for me, okay, it depends. If you ask me, just play it again, because that happened. And I know why they asked me to play it again. It was Mozart 35. And that that opening sounded like like I was just I was just like <laughs> <laughs> so 
Yeah, I just, it was just like I'm just I'm gonna get to D. I'm just gonna get to D, and then we could play the rest after that. I know why you asked me. It went terribly the second time. However, if you ask me, can you play that lighter? Can you play that? You know, whatever. I that's different because like they they want they see something there. They just want to know if you could do it. Yeah. But yeah. if you just like. Can you do it again? No. <laughs> I cannot. It will actually go worse. Right. <laughs> Thank no, you for no. asking. <laughs> Give me a specific reason why I do it again so I can focus on that. If yeah. you just do it again, I'm like, well, why? Wasn't it good enough the first time? Or, you know, I don't know. I, I, I always need specific. When you told me to do it faster, I'm like, you can't just, what I played, but faster. You, you don't make <laughs> You really need to be auditioning here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, but having someone stop—I've had that happen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That is a terrible feeling. It's like they don't even want to hear no more. They don't want to do not play. <laughs> don't put me through this. No. <laughs> like, but I think that was one of my first auditions, so you know what? It's fine. But it was just—I I was like, dang. Well, a pox on you and your lineage. Like, you could let me finish. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's only happened to me once, and like I was. I never again. I mean, you know, you always hear about it happening to people and they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, that's fine. I didn't know that it happened though until I got into like, you know, back into the room where you wait to hear the result. And people were like, oh yeah, you know, I was doing this fine, but I sort of messed up on this one. I was like, you played what? Like, that was all. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a second, wait a second. I only got to hear, what are you talking about? That was, they were like, oh yeah, they kept asking me to play this. And I was like, wow. No, I just better go home now. I packed up, and I'm just like, bye. And that'd be the worst when you sit with all them people knowing that they never call your name. Why am I staying? I mean, like, right? I mean, I guess it depends. There was I just played one a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, Springfield Symphony. No, it's not. That's what it's called, Illinois Symphony. And it was okay. It was, but I was like, but the way that Strauss went, I was like, they're gonna have to be real desperate. They weren't. I didn't get. I didn't advance, but. Everything was everything was good. That that Strauss was just like, well, we and it wasn't fast enough. But that's my business. Okay, so, um, I want to ask you, and then we'll move on. Tell me your favorite, most successful. You can do most hilarious, whatever audition story. Oh, most successful. Okay, I mean, like most successful, obviously, is this one, like the St. Louis Symphony. Don't, Andrew, but Andrew, you've been Francois. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's been many. <laughs> Andrew, been Francois. I'm confused. <laughs> like, uh, uh, okay, so, all right, I'll tell you actually about my when I auditioned for Verbier. Uh, I auditioned for Verbier Festival. If, for those who don't know what it is, it's a music festival. It's an orchestral festival in Switzerland, Verbier, Switzerland, uh, up in the mountains. And it's this great festival because they fly you out there, you know, like they give you a stipend, you live in these. Sh- beautiful chalets with all these amazing other musicians from all around the world. It's a great time. And then they also bring in all of these amazing solo artists to play chamber music together. Uh, and then you get to go to those concerts, but it's great. But they do auditions in like pretty much every major city, at least one major city in every you know major country. Uh, and so the live auditions for America were in New York. So I flew out there to New York. Uh, as soon as I got into the cab, like getting off the plane, I was like, something doesn't feel right. You know how your spirit just like, it, it like 
you know, uh -huh. something's about to go wrong and you're just like, I don't know what it is, but like, it is just not sitting right with me right now. And so I get into the cab and I'm like going to my hotel and the dude's like, oh, I'm surprised, you know, you're, are you from here? Or are you just visiting? And I was like, oh, I'm just in town for a couple of days for an audition. And he was like, are you sure? Because it's about to be like, there's a big snowstorm coming. And he was like, I don't know if you're going to be able to fly out. They're already canceling flights. And I was like, wait, wait, wait what, what, excuse me? <laughs> and I had to be back the next day, the next day after my audition for uh, chamber music rehearsal with faculty. And so we were playing Strauss Capriccio. I was the only student playing in this group. And like, I had to be back for this, uh, for this rehearsal. It was only a rehearsal, but. Like, you know me, my yes. teacher would have been mad as hell. And so, um, and so like, whatever, it's that day it like lightning snows and I'm like, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. My audition was the next day and I was flying out right after that. And so I go take the audition, I think I do fine. It's like, whatever, I wasn't worried about it because it started snowing heavily like that next day. And I was like, I gotta get out, I gotta get out, I gotta get out. And so I, I'm in a taxi on my way to the airport and my flight gets canceled. And so I was like, okay, I'm not gonna sit at the airport. And I'm like, when can you reschedule? And they're like, not till tomorrow. And I was like, bet. Tomorrow morning, I'm, I'm gonna get on the first flight out, make sure I'm back in time. Uh, that did not happen. I ended up having to stay in New York for two more days. I missed my rehearsal. I called my teacher, I was like, can we reschedule it? So they rescheduled it for like three days later. Uh, and I remember I had to, so I was at the airport and like flights kept getting canceled. I flew into Philadelphia because that was the closest they could get me. And I was, I was like, I need to rent a car. I need to drive back. I need to do this and this and this. And I just remember thinking like, like I had forgotten why I was in New York in the first place. I was like, this festival doesn't matter. What is this? It doesn't matter. Like, I need to get home for these rehearsals. I need to, like, not disappoint my teacher. Anyways, it takes me, like, five days to get back. I missed the second rehearsal, too. They had to reschedule it. The funniest thing is, when I got back into, in, I had to fly in Indianapolis, and I got into my car, and I was driving back to Bloomington, which is, like, an hour away, 45 minutes away. Uh, I got a flat tire on my car. In the middle of the snow, and it's still snowing. And so I like stopped. <laughs> you guys don't know Indiana. Indiana can be real racist. And so I was in the boo boo nowhere, Indiana, See, flat tire in the middle snow, of KKK like, country. Exactly, exactly. And I was like, I remember getting back, and my teacher was like, "You can't just be breaking down anywhere out there." And I was like, "I didn't plan on it." And he was like, "Cause <laughs> he knows, he knows, Steve knows." Uh, but anyway, so I I had a flat tire. I didn't end up getting home to like. 5 a.m. the next day uh and I like hurt my arm because I was trying to like change my own tire I ended up having to wait till AAA came yeah my my arm was they were both dead and I was just like I can't do anything so I go into this Strauss Capriccio rehearsal I'm playing first and my teacher was like why do you sound a mess like he didn't say it like that are you okay like are you sick and i told him the whole story and then he was just like oh and he kind of sort of looks at the first thing that he said was like you can't just be breaking down anywhere here and then the second thing he said he was like well let's hope you get it and he was just like i did get it obviously like I didn't <laughs> not obviously because i didn't like i had totally forgotten about it until like we were i was doing something like for auditions people were auditioning at indiana and i was like adjudicating and so i was just like you know proctoring so i was just like go in go out and i got the email and they was just like yeah you're invited to verbia and i was like i forgot about this <laughs> like like but good i was happy i was like it was all worth it but that was like the worst audition experience of my life and i won't forget it and i just remember like it was like the audition itself didn't make an impact like i don't remember it i like i wasn't nervous i wasn't happy i wasn't excited i was just like get me home get me home so yeah that was 
never again. Never again. Mm, <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, yeah. If that happened to me, I would have been like, see, it wouldn't have happened. I would have been like, it would have been, <laughs> if when it rains, it pours, it would have been like, thank you so much for your application. Ooh, Chile. It was a good though. It was, it was, it, it taught me, you know, it taught me to like, make contingency plans when I'm traveling. Like if I know I gotta be back for something, like don't cut it close. Like make sure yeah. you have plenty of time to get where you need to go mm -hmm. uh, and relax. Uh, and also I just try not to take auditions in the winter anymore. I don't trust weather. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Never again, never again. <laughs> what you got Delaney? I don't got nothing I do. Yeah, I don't have any, I don't have very very exciting audition stories like because i haven't really you know i don't be taking professional auditions and like so i don't know i have very many exciting audition stories i guess my most successful one was my eastman audition where i basically i didn't want to get my hopes up because anything can happen you don't know who's auditioning whatever i was supposed to be the last person on the last day um about the second to last person on the last day because i switched with somebody but um yeah, I mean, I have reason to believe I was going to get into Eastman on the spot. Like, it, there was some kind of, um, like, like I was not, I didn't have a stool with me. And but at that time in my, um, in, in when I was a senior in high school, I was sitting most of the time, but not all of the time. So I was like, it'll be fine. But it was actually very uncomfortable um, <laughs> to do my audition standing. But he was like, yeah, I think, I think uh, uh, this would be a great place for you. And I was just like. Okay, period. But I didn't want to get my hopes up. But Eastman was my top school. So yeah, I feel like that was my most successful, but you know, I don't really I don't be doing auditions like that no more. So <laughs> I mean I already told my I have a couple of little <laughs> I'd be a mess. I am a mess. But it's okay. We're 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 doing what we can. I already told my story about how I learned the wrong um I learned the wrong excerpt because this chamber orchestra in New York asked for Mozart 40. So of course they want the little fugue part. Why? What other part would you want? So I learned that part. Get to the audition, it's a completely different part. So I had to, so I read that. So I already talked about that several times because it was very embarrassing. But my favorite um, audition story, it actually really wasn't really much of an audition. It was a, it was a, um, a playing exam in college. Yeah. Because Dr. Block <laughs> used to do freaking playing exams. And I thought I would tell you since Andrew was here, I went to undergrad with I went to barely, not really, because yeah. we, we, if you went to grad school, we wouldn't even have met. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so Dr. Bach used to do playing exams and I struggled my entire freshman year because I thought I was a good VO, so I got to ISU. So <laughs> learning that and having to unlearn that and yeah. sounding really bad and moving really slow and feeling like really overwhelmed and like hating the instrument. Dr. Block used to pick on me in orchestra because I wouldn't know my part and I would be struggling and I'll be chewing gum and I would be late, like all, all type of stuff, like all type of foolishness. And I don't know, I had, a, there was a turning point. I don't know what it was exactly. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was like, you know what, why don't we figure this out? Why don't we just figure out this field thing and see what we could do. And we were playing, what opera were we playing that year? We were playing La Boheme that year. So he wanted... He wanted the he one of the excerpts was from the opening because the viola parts are very explosive at the beginning of Wobble. I'm like, bum 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 bum. So I go in there, 
I had my new viola, my little new, my tiny top viola. I finally bought a viola. Had my new viola. I went in his office and I played that joint. I played that joint. I don't know if it was in tune. I don't know if I was rushing. I don't know, but I played. And he was like, Dr. Bond is very dramatic. So he was like, I am just simply blown away. Like, what happened? Like, like I am blown away. And he used to be petty. He would give people like C's on playing exams. Like the comments would be like three words, like not in tune. It would just be petty stuff, right? Yeah. So just making it up as he goes along, literally making it up. And uh, but he was like, that was just like a huge turning point for me. Like everything after that point was just like uphill, not straight uphill. There was obviously it's viola, so there were some um, dipping points after after years of being there and whatever. But that part, that audition was so important because I was like, you know, maybe I could do this viola thing, and it, it morphed into different things, into the teaching better than focusing on viola solely. So it morphed, but that was an important turning point. So that's one of my favorite audition stories. Um, but yeah, time to move on. Uh, <laughs> can I just say though that like, like <laughs> one of the best parts about being at ISU was like Dr. Block's craziness. Like he just made you want to work. You don't yeah. even know why you wanted to work so hard because like at some point you hated him, but you also respected him. And yeah. Like, like, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's a very weird, weird relationship. It's it very, but honestly, one of the most impactful teachers I think I've ever had to be, to be honest, for me at least. I mean, I, I, I was in his conducting studio, so the amount of times I got called illiterate and like not know <laughs> what I'm doing and all this stuff. Yeah. Like he really helped shape me into... Um, he used to get mad at people who just sit there like you're playing this music and you're not affected by it at all you just it's just <laughs> he used to so really helping me to like develop an artistry with playing I didn't I wasn't doing that when I got to ISC I was just standing there and playing I didn't know how to do that so he really helped me develop that because he would get mad he would you will be a target if you just sat there and yeah. just you would he would call you by name um <laughs> If so, you missed every note, but you were moving, like he'd be fine with that. literally, literally. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah. I'm not saying it was healthy. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but I am saying that he really helped me develop as a musician with conducting and playing in his orchestra. Like that, I think he was like really, really instrumental. And yeah, he's he's absolutely nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, like, but it was great, and everybody wanted to, everybody wanted to work for him. So mm. like, everyone worked really hard in rehearsal for your probably for your betterment like you unless you want your name called every day (laughs) (laughs) okay all right so we are back with um our final episode of the series that we're doing with niman we're talking um to someone who y'all have already heard talk for like 30 minutes so (laughs) literally not um literally not a secret but um we're talking to andrew francois he is a young professional and we are going to talk to him about his musical journey um and about some of the aspects that show up on the neman bridge matrix um and how he has gotten to where he is today um and yeah so just kicking it off andrew can you tell us a little bit um more about your musical journey okay uh, well, like just in general, like a whole essay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, stop me when you, because that's a long story. But anyways, uh, so 
I started on violin as most, I feel like a lot of violists do, not all of them. There are pure violists, right? <laughs> because, hello, <laughs> hello. But you know, like, <laughs> before I get into my whole story, I should just, I should just say this, like, like I worked so hard to try and sound like a real violist. Cause you know how people switch from violin to viola and they sound like violinists trying to play viola. Yeah. It took me forever to just like settle into a, like, this is the viola mindset. This is the viola sound. This is like, this is how you play the viola. And it's, man, it's a good instrument when you can make it work. Okay, anyway. So uh, <laughs> now that my tangent's over. Uh, so I started playing violin when I was 10. I started in fourth grade uh, because my brother played cello and he's two grades older than me, but a year older than, only a year older, but two grades older. And he played cello and I wanted to play cello, but my parents were like, no, nah, we can't have two cellists in the family. That's like no competition. Those are two big instruments. They pick something smaller, something different. So I picked the violin because you know, it was there and, you know, it's right in front of the orchestra, you know, I've changed a lot since then. I want to be like in the back, like hidden. <laughs> but, I'm telling you, the back of the section slept it's on. Right, right, right. Uh, so, I, uh, so I ended up picking violin and I started taking private lessons. And so they let me join in fourth grade, usually in my school district that we all start in fifth grade for orchestra, but I started in fourth because I had taken private lessons. Um, and yeah, I just like, I I didn't even want to be a musician when I started. I was just like, let me play this instrument and have some fun. And you know, my wrist was all like this. I was not good. <laughs> I was not good. But I loved playing, you know, I like, like I had a good ear and I really loved playing the instrument. And so I was just like, you know, let me have fun. And I remember those days, like those early days, probably up until I got to high school and like really started doing a lot of like, like trying to do music festivals. And I was in youth symphony and a Kentucky Valley symphony. And I was like an orchestra in Chicago and I was just doing too much. And, you know, like the pressure was too much. So I wasn't having fun. And I was like, man, I hate this. And, and so <laughs> and by the time I got to high school, yeah, I really was just sort of dead. Um, but after like, but you know, like there's great scholarships when you're going to college. So I was like, let me pick this double major up real quick. So I double majored in violin and biology. That's what I went to Illinois State for. Uh, and the reason I Illinois State was because it was the only school I auditioned at where they were like, oh yeah, you can do both of these. Dr. Gentry was very like, yeah, we can make this work. You know, you're, it's, it might take you five years, but you know, you can both of these majors work. Um, it, obviously I did not make that work because <laughs> <laughs> like I was doing too much, you know, I was playing here and there everywhere. And so like uh, I ended up dropping after junior year, well, it, when I got into junior year, I ended up dropping the bio major and just doing music because uh, I was like, yeah, this is, this is, I guess, what I want to do. I still didn't know what I wanted to do with music, but I just knew, you know, I loved playing um, and I had to keep going. But like, it was probably the beginning of my senior year when I felt like burnt out and I was just like, I don't like music. I don't want to do this. You know, I sound like booty. I'm not trying to, I, I can't play anymore. I'm not happy. You know, I'm just always stressed out. Uh, but then, Oh, uh, before that, I had played something. I had a quartet, and I had played something on viola in the quartet because uh, our violist in my quartet, Kevin Lynn. I don't know if you remember him, Katie, or you heard him. He played. He played violin like before he played viola. So we switched for like a concert. I had to learn. We learned a Mendelssohn quartet, and I had to learn the notes. Like that's how I learned alto clef. It's just like playing that Mendelssohn quartet. You know, he got all the notes in there. And so like, <laughs> it took me notes. a while, but I like like we did it. We killed it. It was great. Everybody loved it. Uh, and Dr. Lewis was sort of like, "Oh, okay, I see you. You, you know, you don't you don't sound too bad." She was like, "We got to fix that vibrato in that bow arm." But she was like, "We can do it." She was like, "If you want some lessons, that's fine." 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so at the beginning of senior year, when I was like feeling burnt out and stuff, I was just like, you know, can you, can I like take some lessons really quick? Like show me how to play a scale or something, you know? And so she was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, and so we, I took a couple of lessons and then like by the middle of, of senior year, when I should have been applying to grad schools on violin, I was like, I don't think I'm going to go. And she was like, how about that and I was like I want to switch to viola and she was like are you sure like is this something you really want to do because you know it's hard to switch this late in the game when you're like you know you should be going to grad school and then getting a job or something not going to grad school or still learning how to play your instrument so so I stayed at uh, Illinois State University for a year of grad school after I graduated I stayed there for a year of grad school which is when Katie came in and she met me Uh, and that was my first official year as a viola player and and, you know, I was, I mean, I, I suppose like for being there, I was good, but like in the grand scheme of being a musician, like I was, uh-uh. Andrew was, <laughs> Andrew was a god. I'm telling no. you, like, people were like, nah, Andrew was a god at ISU. Uh, but, like, well, it was nuts. It was, that was, that was part of the reason that Kate wanted me to leave too. She was like, uh, she was just like, you know, people know you too much here. You need to go to a big school where you're like a small fish. And I was like, I got that. You know, there's something to it about being around musicians who are better than you that you can learn from. I think I learned more from just like playing with people who are really, really good than I do from like my, any teacher who's like, you gotta play this way, you gotta play this way. Yeah. You know, like just look at what works for people and be like, I can try that, I can try that. Mm-hmm. So anyways, uh, yeah, so I did a year of grad school there. I remember Steve came for like a viola day type thing, Steve Wachinski, which mm-hmm. is my teacher at Indiana. He teaches at Indiana University he did like some sort of like orchestral excerpt playing class or something and you know he's like really sassy and and he like like will roast you for no reason (laughs) and And so I was like okay like this is the type of person who I think is gonna make me better you know like he's but he cares you know I don't know and so I went to Indiana I uh and I loved it it was great the only thing the only problem was when I not to brag but when I got there, uh, I got principal in the top orchestra for the viola, like, like you know, there. And I, I was not, I wasn't expecting that. I did work really, really hard on those excerpts over the summer, though. So I think that's probably, you know, most people would just be like, oh, you know, let me look at this two weeks before. Rather than no, I'm most not. people. I spent, <laughs> usually that's me too. But, you know, like at that time, I was like, new school, I'm probably going to be last chair in the last orchestra. So let me practice just to make sure I don't embarrass myself. That was the reason I practiced so hard. Uh, and so that ended up working out and I got a lot of playing opportunities out of that. I got to play with faculty. Um, you know, I got to basically do any project that I wanted to put on, you know, like I had faculty support and like students around me were like, yeah, let's play this chamber music or let's do this, you know, concerto or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was a good time and I had a lot of support there. Uh, you know, Bloomington's not the greatest city but the school is is great and the music school is giant and you can always meet uh, we had this group of musicians we called ourselves the chocolate drops because it was just like like these the best musicians that are black at the school and you know like it's a a large school (laughs) (laughs) no but like so like all these amazing absolutely amazing I had this community of amazing black musicians that were just like so inspiring and they're all still you know slaying it today and most of them are singers or, or vocalists uh, because, you know, they have a great opera program at Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and so after, like, in my second year is when I really started to focus on excerpt because we spent our my whole first year just trying to teach me how to, like, play the viola and, like, get out of my head about playing the viola. It's just mm-hmm. sort of like, because he was like, Steve was always like, you have the technique, you have the musicality, but you're just, like, 
in your head too much. Just just play music. Like don't focus on all of this. Just like make some music. And so we've worked a lot on just making me a musician, which I think really helped. I always say Kate taught me how to play the viola, but Steve taught me how to be like a musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so then I started auditioning for fellowship programs. Uh, Steve really wanted me to, he was like, I don't want you doing fellowships. I want you to win a job. And I was like, slow down. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. I, I remember it. No, because I remember what I told him because I had auditioned for New World and I had to go to Chicago to audition for that. And so I auditioned for New World. I ended up getting in, which I didn't think. I was in a lesson when they called me to tell me I got it. And I remember like shaking and I was like so excited and I was happy. And I think I like even jumped up and down or something. And then Steve was like, that's fine, but I want you to have a job, not a fellowship. And I was like, man, just let me have one thing. (laughs) I mean, in the end, he was proud, but like, you know, he's just being Steve. Uh, So I did, I went to New World. um, And for those who don't know what New World is, New World Symphony is like a training orchestra in Miami Beach, Florida. Um, It's great. You know, the artistic director is Michael Tilson Thomas. uh, And you basically spend two three four years in Miami in Miami South Beach like having a good time it's it's playing great music you play concerts every weekend you know you uh, they bring in uh, coaches from every major orchestra in the country to you know do master classes and lessons and you know just sit in an orchestra and yell at you about how to be a better orchestral player but you know there's also like this whole huge nightlife there that you can just go out and an experience, you know, living in South Beach. So I got a little lost there for a little while. <laughs> like I was there for four years. Uh, I probably took maybe one to two auditions a year. I should have been taking more, but I'm not made of money. So you can always, you can always, you know, I took as many as I could so that I still had money left over to go out and experience Miami. Um, and yeah, I think I did, I did it right. Cause I got, again, that was a place that I got to go do a lot of projects that I wanted to do. Um, and sort of just live life for a while but like I said like I was not working my hardest there I was not the most diligent (laughs) of musicians while I was there but you know I did my job you know I did my job and then I went home you know it wasn't like Mm -hmm. going above and beyond uh and so like by the time I got I ended up getting a fourth year there because um you have three years the fellowship and then if you want a fourth year you have to write a letter to MTT stating why you belong like why you should stay and so he gave me a fourth year um and I was like freaking out that whole year. I was like, man, I'm gonna be homeless. No, I could have gone in, but I could have gone back home. But you know, I was like, I'm gonna be jobless. I'm not gonna be able to to, to fulfill my dreams or anything like that. But uh, I ended up like the the LA Phil Fellowship was, it was like the first year was gonna be the year after I left uh, New World. And so I was like, let me audition for this. You know, so like, I think that was like four rounds, three or no four rounds four. but like so well it's not like four rounds in person like the first one's like a pre you know, uh, pre-screen. pre uh, okay yeah, yeah and so then they invite you there and then it was two it was one screen round um where you just like they gave you this whole list of excerpts and they you they were like play the list they the whole like, list the whole list it was every major excerpt you can think of on this list and they were like play this play this play this they're just like go down the list it wasn't play these three play these five it was Dang. Play the whole list. I was tired. I was tired. But then they made you do it twice because then the second time the screen came down, if you advanced, the screen came down and Udamel was there with the panel. And then you had to play the list again. <laughs> and then the fourth round is an interview after that if you advanced. Oh, stuff. okay, okay. Yeah. Which is nice. You know, like the final thing you do is talk to them and see. I ended up getting that. 
very surprised. Uh, that was great though. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> uh, but no, it was it was a great experience. Like I had never played for an orchestra of that caliber for as long as I played with them. Because I played with them the whole year and I was playing every concert. It wasn't just like, you know, education concerts or, you know, uh, community outreach stuff. Every concert. Hey, well, so like we're only re- in the fellowship, you're only required to play 20 weeks of the 52 weeks. But I was like, no, give me everything. Like, and after you get over those 20 weeks, they start paying sub pay on top of your salary, which is nice. You know, like that extra money is not, it's not bad, but I just wanted to do it to like, when else am I going to play, you know, the whole Brahm cycles with, with uh, Zubin Mehta? Like he's about to be dead. I mean, like, you know. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's old. He's old. He's old. <laughs> like, uh, like they had to wheel him on and off the stage when we played with him. Oh. So I gotta say, he did have surgery on his hip or something like that. But yeah, but he was. It was great. But when else am I gonna get an opportunity like that? So I was like, let me play every concert. I worked like that's the hardest I think I've ever worked in my life, which was great though. It was like, and living in LA was great. Uh, like the lady though, she's like, yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. The weather's nice. Uh, the people are eclectic. I love living in places where you know, you just got to see every sort of person walking down the street. Not like in St. Louis where it's all white and black, like just one or the other. Uh, and and so after that, um, and during the first year, like after the first semester, like when we got into the, the uh, spring season, St. Louis had an opening, like a bunch of orchestras had auditions. I think I took three auditions in a row. It was like St. Louis, Pittsburgh and Boston. And so I like flew to St. Louis, Took, took that audition, missed my flight to Pittsburgh, so I had to fly out the next day and then go audition for there. Uh, and then I flew out to Boston and auditioned there. And they were all good auditions, but it's like, you know, this is the only one that I won. And so I was like, all right, uh, <laughs> yay. I'm not gonna, I actually have a job now. And so here I am in St. Louis Symphony. That is the, the end of my journey. Yeah, yeah. There was probably some stuff in there I forgot, but that's like the, the base of the journey, like just how I got to where I am. Yeah. Well, what can you dream? <laughs> <laughs> so what does mentorship look like for you now that you've won a job? Mm. So mostly my mentorship comes in the form of like community projects slash like the youth symphony. So like I do youth symphony uh, coaching for the viola sections. Um, I, you know, sometimes they, before the pandemic, they used to send us out into the community. I'd go and work with schools. A lot of it is just like people seeing me, like, cause you know, like St. Louis is what, 68% black people. And so it's just like seeing me, you know, a black person in an orchestra. Like, mm-hmm. I think that that's, um, it kind of does the work itself. I don't know. Like, cause you know, I don't know about you guys, but like me, when I was growing up, I didn't see black people in orchestras. I didn't even know it was an option that I could be in an orchestra. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. nobody looks like me. Like, like that's not something I could ever do. Mm-hmm. I guess we were born like, you know, our generations are a little bit different. You mm-hmm. guys probably have more representation, but yeah, it, um, I guess in terms of mentorship, yeah, that's what it looks like for me being a mentor. I don't know if I have a mentor anymore. Oh, that's yeah. So you don't have, oh, you don't have a mentor. Somebody to. Oh, no, 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 I don't really have a mentor. And, and it's weird because at this point, even when I got to LA, like LA was the first 
first sort of uh, experience where I didn't really have any guidance to like do anything because mm -hmm. when you go there yeah you're supposed to take lessons and everything like this but it was the 100th season we were all working really really hard and so I didn't take lessons with anybody I took one lesson with Tongue before my St. Louis Symphony audition uh, and she was like yeah you're fine whatever <laughs> I think we, it was literally like like a half an hour lesson where I just played some stuff she was like fix that yeah that's fine okay and she was like all right let's go home and I was just like nothing you have nothing else to say she should have had some more stuff to say but she she's good she didn't want to you know mess with anything i was doing she was just like you're gonna play how you play um get it but uh yeah but even then like nobody really was like this is what you're doing this is what you should be doing this is how you should do it they're just like you know you're a musician like the rest of us you're a colleague as long as they're here which was nice and then getting to St. Louis, you know, like it's weird because you expect somebody to sort of like navigate and guide you, but you're you're a grown ass adult, so you need to like you need to like figure out your own stuff. And so nobody really like like tried to guide me. They were just like I was just somebody else there, living my life on my own terms, doing whatever I do. Uh, yeah, so I haven't had a mentor probably since New World. Yeah, yeah, like a mentor type of situation since New World. Yeah. And it's been freeing. It's freeing because you know, like, yeah. like, have you guys? Have, I probably now, as you guys play and you practice and you like audition, in the back of your mind, you're always hearing your teachers or different coaches or everybody's like telling you to do it like this, do it like this, do it like this. And all of those people coming together, like, that's going to confuse your own musical, mm -hmm. you know, mind. And so I think sometimes you just have to say, "I've learned all I can from you. Like, let me tune the rest of you out and just focus on how I play, how I work." Um, and I think that's one thing that I think LA helped me win this job in terms of how they just sort of gave me the freedom to express myself musically how I wanted to. Yeah, instead of trying to micromanage me and make me play like they play. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, in this series, we've talked to people from like all different stages in their careers. And part of the, the purpose of the organization, Nimon, is to bridge the gap between um, all of the um, all of the different stages. So, could you talk a little bit about like, well, first of all, about how often do you play in uh, in the symphony, or how how often does the symphony play, and what was that rigor like in comparison to what you came from? Mm -hmm. So, I guess I can talk about the symphony now, or like a normal symphony season. We play concerts every weekend. Um, usually it may be like in LA we do two to three programs a week and then like you know we space that throughout the week or throughout two weeks but here we usually do one to two programs a week depending on what the week is uh, we'll do like masterworks and then maybe we'll have education or outreach or something smaller that we do in that week too so we're hosting those two programs side by side but yeah you play concerts every week you know you have your collective vacation weeks which you know the whole orchestra takes that's just like Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, you're basically playing every every week for the 52 weeks. We do like 43 weeks and then we get nine weeks off in the summer, which is beautiful. <laughs> we still get paid for it. So that's not, that's important. Uh, but like LA Phil goes all 52 weeks. They're just playing. Uh, they get, well, they do get like a month off in June or something like that. It's like three weeks off. Uh, but yeah, they're playing like straight through the whole 52 weeks. Um, that's why they get paid so much, uh, but, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, but it, but in terms of like that, I think um, it was going to New World that helped me switch my thinking really, because New World is also that sort of orchestra, orchestral style where you're playing concerts every weekend, 
maybe two programs a weekend, like chamber music and masterworks concerts. So you're playing every weekend, uh, but you you get the whole summer off for that orchestra. But just adjusting to the workload, because I remember being at school and you know you work on a program for like three weeks or something like that, and that's just that's a lot of time. Like yeah. to work on to work on an orchestral program, and so uh, yeah, it was really nice, like just going and going and getting that workload. Uh, having that change um yeah but now I'm used to it I don't know it 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 yeah I don't know if it took me as long as it probably should have taken me because I was like always playing in like um gigging orchestras and stuff like through school uh, just to make extra money but that sort of helped me like okay I need to learn this quickly I need to learn this quickly mm -hmm. I need to balance and juggle that did that answer your question I don't know <laughs> I was like I'm rambling so yeah. yeah, I was I was talking to a mentor of mine about like recapping the audition I took and I was like, man, like I have another one that I'm planning on taking and I was like, man, like I'm really excited for this one because I actually have time to learn the stuff uninterrupted. I don't have like to learn Memphis Symphony stuff. I don't have to da da da. She's like, well, actually, that was great because you'll realize that you need to be able to multitask because you can't you're used to in school where you have multiple weeks to learn something you're like you when you get your job you'll have like two to three photos a week and you need to learn all of that music so it's better that you had all that stuff going on i mean i disagree for now just because it was nuts but <laughs> I, I see where she's coming from for sure um what if any additional costs or logistical support do you have as a hired musician or uh, face? Yeah. uh cost or logistical support i mean like somebody plans my schedule like musically like I don't really have to plan my own schedule like it's planned out no matter what I'm doing like people are always even if I'm like doing an outside project of chamber music people are, are like oh he's a symphony musician so we need to make sure that mm -hmm. you know x y and z is planned out and we just tell them when to show which is nice you know like people respect me more <laughs> they don't treat me like garbage anymore. No, no. <laughs> respect, no but people respect me I think a little more now that I'm uh a tenured musician but I think like uh, yeah just not having to like schedule my own life mm -hmm. music my own musical life anymore is is something that's changed uh cost yeah I I mean like the cost hasn't I mean the cost has changed only in terms of like I make more money but I'm spending less money now does that make sense yeah like just because like I don't have not to auditions. go take auditions yeah. or anything like that and I like even like my instrument I don't have to make sure that it's in peak condition like playing condition because like i'm just now one of many in an ensemble and so i don't need to unless i'm playing chamber music or something like that but like yeah now i don't have to like change my strings so often i don't need bow rehairs so often you know because now i just have to be at like a base level of this is what the viola sounds like rather than you know <laughs> like i need to win an audition this is what the viola sounds like you sure know yeah, so, so uh, yeah but in terms of that that's the only thing i think has changed um, okay, so about the audition process, can you tell us a little bit about that, um, like the process of of getting your job now? So like, we want to know about like, was the screen up the whole time? Or like what those rounds were looking like, an interview, like, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, so for my, so for St. Louis Symphony, and I think with most jobs, like you have a resume round where you just send in your resume and then they say, nah, you ain't good enough. <laughs> or they're like, yeah, sure, come, come audition. Does that happen? Uh, it does happen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so I'll be sending my little junk and they'd be like, here's your audition time. I'll be like, 
okay. Like I was like, well, they must be letting everybody come. <laughs> but you also forget that you went to a major school. Like, like that Eastman on your resume is gonna automatically like, like mm. let you probably audition anywhere you want to audition to. And and people don't talk about that that fact that like people have these biases. Like if I had only had Illinois State University on my resume, I wouldn't have gotten invited to any of these auditions. But because I had like that Indiana tagged on at the end, they're like, okay, he studied at a reputable school like they that's, don't that's know how bad fight. because everybody can't go to them schools and the people who went to them schools teach at the smaller schools like they be, they be playing exactly, exactly. <laughs> like and so i but there that's why you know there's an appeal process and all of that you mm-hmm. know like you can get recommendation letters whatever they'll tell you what you need if like you know if they reject you you can always you can always say oh i want to come let me and then they'll tell you how to like get that overturned but most of the time they do it just because they don't have time like the audition that i have my spot <clears throat> They had three audition, like three, uh, they had four spots available in the viola section because a bunch of people retired. And so, and I think they had something like 218 applicants for viola and like they could only accept like 160 some odd people just because that's all they had time for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you, they would fit, fit you in if you really needed to be fit in. But I think like based on that resume, that's how many people they ended up uh, in oh, 180 something. I think it was 180 something. Anyways, it was a lot of people over like the course of two months of auditions. Uh, so we had the resume round uh, and then I got invited to my audition. Uh, I flew in. Um, the first round was just like, you know, like normal stuff. It was like uh, Don Juan. I think it was Mendelssohn scared. So, you know, like the very basic, like, except I feel like they added something in that was, to weed people out yeah like I, it classical was like symphony like, what are y'all doing can't nobody play no. that <laughs> right no that's <laughs> i have yet to, i have yet to take an audition where every time i see classical symphony i'm like nope that's bad. <laughs> so i'll find the next one i'll find the next. it's just like or like tannhäuser like i don't want to yeah. play either of those things it's just like no um but so we had the first round uh and that was screened and it was like you know just normal and that was fine advanced by set the second round was also screened uh but that was the next day so like i played in the last day of like prelim rounds they had like four days of prelims i was the last day of prelim uh but they had two dates in january and then two in february that's why i was like and then the next day was semifinals um which was and it was like a large semifinal it was like 30 people in the semifinal which is not usually how it goes there's uh, so there were 30 people in semifinals. So that was like a long, long day of, of long morning of like playing and waiting. And that list was a little longer. You know, we had to play like Mozart Symphony at Concertant. We had to play like the second Heldenleben excerpt, like the really hard one. And like, uh, it was like a big list of hard stuff. That will have uh, me down bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, Angie, you got this. Hey, just do it. Just don't mess this up. Man. Because I, I actually love like Held in Life and that's one of my favorite excerpts. It's just, it's a great piece of music, all stresses. Uh, but, and then I, uh, and then in the finals, they did take the screen down. They were debating because they were going to have a chamber music on. And so they were like, okay, well, if we do have chamber music, we can take it down then. But I think they ended up taking it down in the finals just because, there were like 10 people in the final so they really wanted to make sure they could see everybody and like they were like oh, we don't know who these people are so we ended up playing like a concerto with piano uh we play and then we just played like a list of excerpts and they were pretty standard uh but they like you know added like bronze foreign you know appalachian spring don juan beethoven five and this was the round like this was what i was talking about for the beethoven five we played it and then uh i, I didn't know this at the time but they asked me to play it without vibrato 
and like you know and, and it's a beautiful excerpt it's i hate it but it's great excerpt but i can't play it like nicely without vibrato you know i need the vibrato to make those connections between the notes and so i was just like messing it up and i was like man i didn't get this job i don't even know why i'm here i was just like kicking myself about it uh but apparently they asked everybody to play it without vibrato and i didn't know that until after the audition was over so i was like all right so i didn't do too bad uh but yeah no it was nice it was nice to one get to play with piano in that final round uh two the the so for every other round the the committee was on stage with you, like behind the screen, but for the final round, they were in the audience and you were on stage by yourself, which was nice just to like expel some sound into the hall and power hall is great. Uh, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, and we all thought there was going to be a chamber music down. So we were all downstairs sort of like listening to our parts uh, and, and they even had musicians from the orchestra come in ready to play. But then Stefan was like, no, I want these three people. Like nobody else is, is I don't qualify anybody else to play. And so they chose the three of us, which is Mike Casimir. I don't know if you guys know mm -hmm. him, but violist, me and Leo Plashnov Johnson. Um, he's a violist, he come from NEC, but he's like Russian and English. But yeah, we're all good, you know, and we all have this very distinctive way of playing that's, I don't wanna say soloistic, but it's definitely, it's more soloistic than ensemble playing. And I think, uh, I mean, we all balance and blend well now, but yeah, that was, I think that's what they were really looking for, especially Stefan Deneb, who just, he's the new music director. His first year was my first year um, and he's European. And so of course, you know, he likes that European style of playing, uh, which is nice. And I think, I think his hires will reflect that more coming up. But yeah, it was a really standard audition. You know, I've heard of auditions going like five rounds plus chamber music and stuff like that. I couldn't, I was dead by the end of that audition. I was mentally and physically done. Uh, most of mostly just because like you have to sit around and wait to hear yeah they hate you or not and I mean that's <laughs> I feel like that's harder that's harder than actually playing the audition mm -hmm. I feel like it's the waiting and yeah. and not yeah. knowing um yeah I mean it worked out it was fine it was what it was I was excited yeah and then they took us out for like dinner and drinks after like so that was nice yeah yeah no, St. Louis City. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> right no but this is like the nicest orchestra in the country that's what everybody says i believe it like everybody here is nice uh a little too nice sometimes but yeah that's that's you know after being in miami and la where people mind their own business and they're sort of just like you know you do you i do if i see you and i like you maybe there's a hi but you know like here it's like hi how are you what, what are you doing today like did you see your garden i'm just like Whoa. <laughs> all of that. like that's not me i'm just sort of like we'll talk when we talk and we won't when we won't right so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay last question is what supports you talked you talked about this a little bit like a little bit you kind of like gla glazed over it i kind of got the vibe i caught the vibe like delaney did too but what supports uh have you been offered to like make your transition smooth into the orchestra like you just got your job i mean you talked about dinner and drinks but you also talked about like you grown now so like yeah well what what transitions are because like even for me like at at MSO like, there are some violists who like not for real for real but like you know they kind of took me under, under their wing a little bit they, they talked to me my day asked me like how my living situation I turned the wrong page she poked me with her bow it's like you on the wrong page like you know it's like cute <laughs> stuff like that like so I'm not just here like good yeah, luck yeah. type thing but like yeah talk about that uh so I think that yeah so I they didn't just like 
I didn't just come in and like everybody was like, okay, you're grown. Like, I'm not going to help you out. Like, you know, they still help you out with your paperwork and they ask if you have a place to live and they just want to know like how you're doing, how the move and transition was. But it's not like, it's not like um, uh, sort of micromanaging you like, oh, you need to be here during this. You need to be here. I remember showing up for one of my first Sunday concerts, which the dress is different. And I had on the wrong thing. And I was like freaking out. I was like, oh, do I have time? And I mean, they were like, man, come inside. Somebody either will have something in their lockers to like just lend you. And so they did. And, you know, it's just sort of that atmosphere. Um, mm. Yeah. It, and it's it's so it's less coddling and more just, you know, uh, surface support. I think that's mm-hmm. been the biggest difference, which which I like. Which mm-hmm. is, I, I yeah. at first I thought that that would be a hard tra- a hard thing to transition from, but it was really like seamless because just everybody's so nice. Even at LA when I was doing the fellowship there, people were very just most, like, you, you move in, you you good, you have food, you're okay, you have furniture, you're alive, okay, good. You know? mm-hmm. So yeah, but just making sure you're okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Thank you, Francois, for talking with us or whatever. <laughs> it was you know? nice to be on. It was nice to see you guys. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And we are moving on. All right, y'all, it's time for Black Excellence, where we hype you up, gas you up, and give you your props, because there's room for everyone at the top. This week, I'm talking about Sarah Bushara. I hope I'm saying your name right. She's an oboist from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. And I found out about her. I can't, I don't even remember. However, what I do remember is seeing this black girl playing oboe with the uh, Philadelphia Orchestra. I was like, who is that? With the, oh, sorry, the Joseph Conyers and Friends. Mm. I don't know much about uh, Sarah because um, I couldn't find an updated bio. However, I know she popping. Um, she played with um, the National Youth Orchestra of America. She's also the winner of the Young Arts Foundation and the Walgreens National Concerto Competition. And she's a graduate of the Curtis Institute of Music. So, per shout out to you, Sarah. Keep um, right. all bowing, making reads, blowing. <laughs> all right. Yep. Embouchuring. All that. Per. <laughs> Oboe is hard. Have you played oboe? No, I've never played it. Girl, it's like it's like trying to blow. It's like trying to blow a birthday cake out through a coffee stir. <laughs> That's how that jump feel. It hurts your face. Ugh. I mean, I'm sure you like obviously get used to it, but I that's not. I wasn't interested in getting used to it. <laughs> six <laughs> six weeks and it was over. Oh yeah, y'all be easy. Yeah, right. Um, I be looking at that some instrument. I'm like, that look hard. It'd be easy though. <laughs> like I be when we played American in Paris last week and it was like there was not one percussion instrument out on stage. Like there was not one and they over there running back and forth. I'm like, Yeah. It's hot out that. here. Y'all be easy and, though. And now what's gonna happen? Now you trip over something. See, and... I'm too clumsy for that. And they be you have to hit it and dampen it. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. And then they be tuning the timpani in the middle. In the, in the middle of the yeah, they be doing too much. And then when they be doing it, when it like surrounded by the timpanis and they be doing all, yes. I'm like, nah, how you, I would not be remembering. I need a, I need a sticky note on it to tell me what note that is because I'm not going to remember. Right. <laughs> and then when you see the marimba players, they be having like seven of them junts in their hand. Uh, yeah, when they be like, doing that thing. How yeah, you do? when they, nah. Yeah, nah. It be in between their fingers and stuff. I'm like, mm. what are y'all, nah. Nah. <laughs> it's that, uh, percussion, there's not one percussion instrument that look, I remember, I remember playing timpani and she'd be like, you, there's a lot of passion here. I'm like, yeah, I got to distract you from the fact that I can't get the little notes to. <laughs> well, 
um for my piece of the week it's not so much the piece that i'm featuring but more so like this particular video um because the piece that they're playing is just the swan movement from carnival of the animals um which i actually usually skip when i listen to carnival of the animals really? <laughs> yeah not that it's not that i don't like it maybe it's just because you I, like i've heard it so many times yeah. and i really i enjoy like all the other movements of carnival of the animals very much what it's so yeah, i don't really care i like the elephant the, no, when they nah too, no, with the lion nah when they be like nah you gotta listen again nah you gotta maybe. listen again i played it in high school so maybe that's I need oh yeah pressure, playing pressure, it but, yeah can we play all of them i'm just like because nah. that probably when like the the cellos and the basses do like the lion's roar like they kind of like simulate that that's cr- but you know, I'm biased. But um, anyway, this is a video of someone playing that on the theremin. Um, that well, first of all, Joey brought well, has been posting videos of them playing the theremin. Um, but I recently t- uh, showed my mom what a theremin was, and she was very confused, and uh, <laughs> um, she didn't like it. Um, she it's not that she didn't like the sound, but she was just like that just looks weird, and mm-hmm. she was like it feels like. Like I think it's very cool. I want a theremin, but um, she she was just like, I feel like that's part of like the passion of playing the instrument is like the actual like touching it. She's like, imagine you go to orchestra and everybody just, <laughs> I, y'all can't see me right now, but she was like, she was like, <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, but I really like the theremin. I'm in my theremin bag right now, so yeah, that's professional thereminists. Yep job prospects through the roof i mean you'll be high demand loki that seemed like a very difficult instrument to play you just yeah uh-uh. just hands to the wind you know what note you on yeah i'm good yeah, i can touch my instrument and still be dodgy so oh yeah <laughs> okay yeah, so I would like a theremin for fun, but I don't got no theremin for fun money, so. <laughs> I don't even got no for fun, for fun money, so. Okay. <laughs> you got any checks sitting around? You saw me do my <laughs> deposit, though, right? Yeah, I saw You it. saw me? I was like, come on. I'm growing. So productive. You know how long it took me? 10 minutes. You know how long them checks been sitting there? Weeks. <laughs> Weeks. I hate that. Little tasks are the ones that stress me out. But you know we move. People don't know what we're talking about. I have a, a, a <laughs> habit of sitting on checks. It's what the worst thing people said to me is that you have 180 days cash check. So I just let them build up so I could do them all at once. That's and even more stressful. I, I hate when I do that. You said what? So that's more stressful to you me think? because oh because I keep like when I cash checks, you know I keep a record and I have to I have a spreadsheet. It's it's a it's a process. So Good like. Give me vibes over here. That's just because, like, yeah. But I feel like sometimes that happens to me because my paychecks go to my grandma's house. So mm-hmm. sometimes they build up. But yeah, no, yeah. Like, but Katie be like acting it. like she, she popping. I uh, I like having a lump a lump sum. Like that just hit your account all padded and. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but I did it eventually. <laughs> and if it wasn't for classically black. I would have waited longer, but I was like, I must do this. This is not my money. <laughs> <laughs> but we made it. 
checks from March right. the accounts. And I look forward to the things that we're getting probably getting paid for this month. I'm looking forward to seeing them in August. September at the latest. Okay. Hundred eighty days. November. And all right. Thank you so much for listening to Classic Black Podcast. <laughs> um, you can follow it. us on social media at Classically Black Podcast. If you have a piece of the week suggestion, a black excellence suggestion, or an intermission suggestion, email us at classicallyblackpodcast at gmail.com. If you are black, please join ISBM. You, if you are not, please consider donating to our cause, um, isblackmusicians.com. We are also on social media at isblackmusicians. And is that it? Mm-hmm. Thank y'all. Per. Bye y'all. Bye.